As I said earlier, we can, uh, we're in a cycle of readings where Jesus utters things that, did that really come from his mouth? Did he really say that? Unless you hate your family, you cannot be my disciple. What's that mean? Like the rest of our difficult gospels, Jesus is trying to make an impact with his words. He uses hyperbole a lot. He's got a feeling of urgency now. He's in the back half of his ministry. He needs to get people's attention. And that's what he does a lot. We can't ignore these words. A feeling of urgency, both for himself and his impending death, and for us. Because even the apostles use the, the words in Scripture. The time is now. It's not tomorrow. Salvation is now. It's today is the day of salvation. Because we don't know if we have tomorrow. Jesus tries to make us think. And it's not just today. It's through scriptures. What are our priorities? And that's what he's getting at today. What is your priority? It needs to be God in all relationships. Even the marital relationship. If God is the priority for both partners, that marriage will succeed. It will. God would bring out the best in both spouses. See, God's not in competition for your love. He wants it all, and we shouldn't be jealous. God is the enhancer of relationships. When God is first, your marital, family, every other relationship is going to be that much better. That's just God's principle. Love me first and you will love like you've never loved before. That's just the way it is. When we have God first, every other thing that you do in life, every relationship will be greater. Jesus' first command, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. So important. And even by his words, Jesus, you can tell, he's very demanding of his disciples. We renounce our possessions. Now we can have good things, that's no problem. But we have to investigate our hearts, our souls about these things. Do they own you? Or do you own them? That's what God's getting at. Do your possessions own you? We must have the wisdom to understand that inanimate objects are able to possess our lives. They can take us over, and we must separate from them when it does. I've been owned by things in my life. I really have. I know that feeling. Sometimes for us, it might not even be things. It might be ideas that own us, consume us. Let me give you an example of how I was owned in life. I was once owned by cigarettes in my life. I had a nicotine addiction. Smoking became a cross for me, health-wise, I think. But it also was an idol. Cigarettes were an idol. Prevented me from total discipleship. Living for the next cigarette instead of living for God. I spent $4,000 a year on cigarettes, on that idol. That could have been used for God, certainly. That made an inanimate thing an idol in my life. 
Smoking often frayed my spiritual health, not just the physical. Smoking had a real cost of following Jesus for me. The cost of being a disciple was to quit something that I love to do. Resist the things that provide comfort for you if they're not God. That's what Jesus is saying. If we're not going to move from them. I had a formator at the seminary. He, uh, on my last evaluation before priesthood, um, he, he uh, wrote, um, Mark grows where he's planted. What's that? That's just a nice way of saying he loves his comfort zone. And we all do. We all love our comfort zones. Sometimes we have to shed them, though. We have to get rid of those comfort zones in life. Or we get trapped in the things that are around us. So, do we possess God? I don't know if that's the right way of saying it. God possesses us, I think. I know well, though, that the time in my life when I did not possess God, compared to the time I did think I had God and possessed him, I came to possess God in a meaningful way. When that happened, family, friends, my life experiences began to make sense and the relationships got better. It's just no denying it. God first equals everything higher, enhanced. Then we are to carry our crosses. Carry our crosses so that we can help other people carry their crosses. That's why we have a church. We help. We're helpers. When people are hurt, we need to help. We lift them up by our prayers and sometimes just getting to know them, being present to them. Jesus tells us of the scale of our task ahead of us. He's challenging us to great prudence and to have good judgment. So have we counted the cost of discipleship? It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. The price is high. See, Jesus had a very keen awareness of who he was as the Son of God, what it meant to be him, and what it meant to preach the word of the Father. It meant great persecution to him, rejection, threats. It mean his death. And his followers were going to feel the same way, the disciples, the, the apostles, kind of a principle of proportion as it's known. God gets the most of everything we have as people to offer, heart, soul, mind, strength. And if Jesus rules your life like that, then money you have, power you have, can be used in a very godly way. God enhances the best things we have in life. And when we become self-serving, we're heading for the letdowns, disaster maybe. It's a message we've heard over and over from Jesus. He brings out the seriousness of the message with words that make us feel a little uneasy today. When something becomes more important than God in your life, our spiritual life will weaken. You ever wonder why sometimes, oh, I'm feeling great, I want to pray want to go to Mass, and then there's times I could care less. It's time to evaluate and think about that time in your life when you felt that way, that I care less. What it is in the world that has got you trapped right then. 
Why didn't you want to do those things? Why didn't you want to be godly? Something's got you by the neck. What is the thing that became more important to God than God? God said to King Solomon, or he was told about us in King Solomon, he was the wisest of, every, of any human being that would ever walk the earth and ever did and ever will. He writes to us in that first reading today, Solomon wrote an acknowledged human frailty and absolute dependence on God is needed. But towards the end of Solomon's life, even Solomon fell hard because he took his eyes off God and God graced us with that story to know that God, even the wisest person on earth, fell hard like lead in water. He fell hard because he took his eyes off of God. It's a great story for us to learn by. That was graced. God first. I've seen that on hats. I've seen that on shirts. God first is the remedy for Solomon's people, for Jesus' people, and for us even today. God first. And everything else will fall into place like you wouldn't believe.